Hey, I'm Allegra Levy, and you're listening to the Scout Archives, the place where I have the pleasure of introducing you to some of the most influential young people I know. For more information on today's interview, head to www.thescoutarchives.com. There you can find photo shoots with our guests, pieces of work they've shared with us, and many other surprises. See you there. It's 10 a.m. on a Sunday, and Nicole Chan sits calmly in a coffee shop, a half-finished New York Times crossword puzzle in front of her. While her outfit is from several different places, it is simple. She wears no makeup, yet she is ready to go deep. I have known Nicole since elementary school, but since attending college with her, I have seen a different side to her, one that has flourished and blossomed since making the move downtown. Nicole is a reflection of the places she has been, the people she knows, and the things she loves, as evident by her work. It is clear in her photographs that she has a history with each subject. Perhaps that is what makes her work so strong. Throughout my time knowing her, I have seen her grow immensely in terms of her creative eye, and it is quite exciting to see where her work will lead her next, though I have no doubt that her passion and work ethic will take her across the globe and to many different realms of the fashion industry. So listen in as Nicole discusses her past work, her wide net of creative friends who have kept her inspired, and her moving from school to the outside world, striving to be comfortable with the inevitable unknown. Hey, Nicole. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right. I'm a little tired, but I'm good. Do you want to tell everyone where we are? Um, we are on the corner of Smith and Bergen. Uh, the coffee shop I work at called Regular Visitors in the window. Lovely. You're tired this morning. Why are you tired? Uh, went out a little too late yesterday, even though I didn't want to. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you went to? Did you go to the Guggenheim yesterday? I went. No, I actually couldn't end up. I spent too much time in Nightingale that I actually like. We only would have had an hour at the Guggenheim, and for twenty-five dollars, it's not worth it to only go for an hour. So we actually went to the Met and just like oh. sat and read by the temple. Because it was like 9 p.m. Because the Met closes late on Fridays. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was really nice. That's so fun. For those of you who don't know, Nicole and I went to the same high school. We did not really become friends until... Like senior year. My yeah, senior year. Yeah, your senior year, my junior year. And um, Nicole was always the one who would come dressed to school, like to the nine. I mean, not to the nines, because that's not who you are. Like, you would always have the best outfits mm-hmm. on dress-down days, and you would always not be in uniform, and it was wonderful. <clears throat> and I said, I think I like that girl. So I'm just going to dive in. All right. Growing up, who in your family was the artistic one? Like, what was the, when was the first time you thought that fashion photography and um, styling and clothes were going to be a huge part of your life? Well... I'd have to probably give the most credit artistically to my mom. She always had a really, really big interest in photography. Not not fashion photography, but like our house is like documented through albums and um, her like photo books. And it wasn't as present like artistically as it was just a way for her to catalog like our lives. Mm-hmm. But um, I realize more and more now that like when it was probably like a huge thing and for her in her twenties to like you know, look at these photographers' works, and now we can kind of talk about different things that I now know um, in terms of, like, historical photographers or important photographers, and I didn't realize how much she knew about it. And my sister and I always, were always doing art classes. My sister's a fantastic drawer, and not a lot of people know that about her, because it's kind of a, like, side hobby for her, Um, but she's incredible at it. And then I guess, in school, actually, I didn't do photo. I did painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that had to do with the fact that I didn't like the photo teacher. Okay. Um, so Tracker. and I and I <laughs> and I liked Miss Tobin a lot. So I kind of just like, and I also really loved the paintings that we used to see from upperclassmen in right. the hallways. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'd rather do. I don't think I ever saw as much good photo work from the photo department. And I saw such incredible paintings that I thought, okay, I'll do painting. But in terms of how fashion got introduced to me. I can't really pinpoint, I can tell you when fashion photography became a thing to me, but I was sketching a lot before I started doing photos, mm-hmm. and I like would would fill up like 
I remember walking home and Carolina Herrera, which is in the 70s, in, like in the mid-70s on Madison. I used to walk there just to look at, she always had ball gowns, like her, and then she was across the street from like Vera Wang, so you could like go and look at the ball gowns. And I would fill like huge notebooks full of ball gowns of like varying styles. Hmm. Um, that was probably like in, yeah, at the beginning of middle school, and so like I was constantly drawing dresses. And then I don't know, there was a moment where I think I watched a documentary or something where I realized I didn't have the kind of stamina or talent to be a designer. Like there was something that like, I was kind of, maybe I like recognized that I was drawing the same thing all the time or like copying things. And I was like, okay, well being a designer is not it. Right. Um, and then I opened a magazine and realized that there's like a whole nother way to interact with fashion that I didn't, that I'd never known or seen before. Yeah, that's when like fashion photography came to me. Was there, besides Carolina Herrera, Vera Wang, was there another artist or a photographer maybe that inspired you, that you saw his or her fashion yeah. photography, and you were like, oh, that is something I'm interested in? Yeah, I think it started with designers first, because when I started to like realize the scope of the industry that I was looking at, I was on, honestly, almost so much that I know about anything is from Tumblr, mm. because Tumblr used to be... Like, I'm not talking about, like, Tumblr photos. I'm talking about, like, you know how people who are obsessed with things will, like, make Tumblrs for yeah. something? So I used to follow, like, all these, like, backstage runway type stuff just so I could see all the shows as they were coming in. Because Style.com only started, like... Or maybe I wasn't, like, conscious of it until a certain point. So I used to, like, catalog, learn all the designer names, all the model names. Um, and... I think when Alvaro Bez was still at Lava was like a huge thing for me because I could, his collections were, I don't know, so incredible to me that I used to like collect all the photos from them. And I still say that if I had money now, like I would go back and like dig for that dress, even if it didn't look good on me, like I would go and try and find that dress. Um, and he did like collections in like fuchsia and florals, which don't really sound like things I'd wear, but um, I think that kind of makes the mark of a really good designer because I, I don't need to wear them or own them, I just think that they're like incredibly beautiful. And in terms of photographers, I guess right now the, like the ones that I'm most inspired by are quite new and recent, but because like the first magazines I was opening were like Vogue, so they, they kind of still use the kind of canon set of photographers that I really like, sure. that I am kind of debatably not as much into their fashion photography anymore, like Annie Leibovitz is incredible, but I'm not as inspired by her stuff for Vogue as I might have been like 10 years ago, like not 10 years ago, that's way too long. Um, <laughs> but however many years ago. Yeah. yeah, and and it's still like, you know, there's the greats are still really, really good. Like Steven Meisel was probably first, some of the first stuff I ever w looked at or Mario Sorrenti and understanding like their kind of styles. But yeah, and then there's a bunch of like kind of older photographers that I really like that aren't fashion photographers, but just portraitists that I think are really good. You were not the biggest fan of our high school experience. <laughs> I mean, you loved Nightingale, but there were obviously moments of it that you didn't like. Um, and you mentioned that you were um, a painting student at Nightingale, not a photography student. <clears throat> and so I'm just kind of wondering, like, what was... What were your paintings like in high school? Oh, and yeah. did that, did our high school experience have anything to do with what you would paint in class? Um, actually, all my paintings had to do with fashion. Do you remember that? Like, all of them had to do with fashion. I remember, like, a lot of, like, it was very graphic. Yeah, because I, so I used to, okay, I'm going to clarify something. And I feel, because I feel bad, and I feel like I feel bad for it taking me this long to come to this, is that I feel incredibly silly about how angsty I was in high school. Because it was such, because I keep going back there and I'm like, God damn it, Nicole, like this is a beautiful place to go to high school. And I think it was more just that I felt like my own personality, my ways of thinking, obviously didn't fit there. Yeah. And 
but it but it but it wasn't that I it wasn't that I was like an outcast. I like got along with everyone and did a lot of stuff and like but I just like needed to get out and do do and be somewhere else. But no, I I still think of like Nightingale like majority like really fondly. But painting wise, I guess all my I remember I did a series that was like five fashion images that were all very different from each other. Like one was like uh, Vogue Paris, like New York shoot that Mario Sorrenti did, and and then like I don't know, like a random Vogue Italia one, and like all these like I just like collected like five of them and then painted all of them, and then on some of them the backgrounds. I did this like I used to when I used to doodle in class. I used to do like the same doodle which was like these connecting letters. And so then I used that as the background. But they were like basically like, I used to like doodle and connect what I was thinking into like these letters so that people around me couldn't read them. But I was forming words and like thoughts and stuff. Mm. But I just like didn't want anyone to read them. So I like turned them into like a pattern. And so I put those in the back of my paintings just so it would be fun for me to like look at them and be like, oh, I know what I was saying there, but no one else would know what I was saying. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I used to do that. Okay, great. In high school, we also were given the opportunity to drop classes for four months and create like our own kind of project. And you decided to create your own magazine called Limbo, which I was in. And I'm just kind of wondering, you you wrote it, you wrote all of it, uh, you shot it all, you styled it. Looking back on it, uh, with all that you've learned since that time, do you ever look at that magazine and you're you think about like what it means to you or yeah. how far you've come or what would you redo if you could do it again I guess actually yeah that was a pretty big achievement sometimes I forget that I did it and then I was like that was a huge deal yeah because I printed it that was like mostly the biggest deal because I like I like shot every single person in my grade mm-hmm. like and I genuinely do think that I got to know those people a lot better I mean, you can't, you can't, you know, know any, like, 39 people to their core. A lot of the best images were actually people that didn't, weren't that big of a presence at our school. Or, like, didn't people, a lot of people in my grade didn't know them very well. Mm-hmm. Like, Sydney C. Takata. Yeah. Or, like, Isabel Blasco Cicero. Right. And, like, taking photos of them and making them kind of, like, the focus for a second was really cool. And then getting it printed because I didn't want it to be digital. I wanted it to be in print and to give to people. I thought that was really cool. I guess the only things that I... I mean, obviously my photography is different. They're, they're photos that I was like, eh, I wouldn't take those again. But, you know, those are just, like, reflections of, like, where we were in high school and, and like, what kind of resources I had and, and, like, where my eye was and my eyes a lot better than it was in high school. Mm-hmm. I know I still love the cover. Like, yeah. I love that cover. Um, and there's, you know... A couple, it's just yeah. I think if I think I love it almost entirely, except for just that my eyes changed in some of the photos too. Don't read as strong as they probably did when I made it. Right. But I feel like if you're making something like and trying to finish it, the chances of loving every single thing in it is not going to happen. So, um, but yeah, I I was yeah I was pretty proud of that one. Um, and my like. You know, you can still find copies, like, in the advancement office or something. Like, they keep them around. Yeah. I have a copy, still. Yeah. When it comes to travel, Mm. you've gone to a lot of places, I would say. Um, But there are a few that come to mind. You spent a semester abroad, as well as a summer working in London. Yeah. You spent time with your family. Um, You've been been to China. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have ties to Brazil and Canada. Mm Mm-hmm. How has travel defined the way you see the world in your art and in life? And do those places have a special place Mm -hmm. in your artwork? I think that the, I've been, well, I've been incredibly lucky because not only is my family very dispersed because, which gives me like a lot of opportunity to go visit people because my, just in case anyone cares, my dad is Chinese and grew up in Brazil, and my mom's Korean and grew up in Canada, and then I was raised here. But I have family in London and Hong Kong and um, in Brazil, and so kind of all over the place. And so, uh, yeah, we used to be spend almost all of our vacations kind of tra- either traveling to see them, but then my dad is also really adventurous, and so like we do a lot of trips to other places that 
a lot of people my age haven't seen yet. Um, and I think that what'll be cool is that since I just started taking, not just started taking photos, but kind of taking the kind of photos that I really want to stand behind, mm -hmm. I, I think that the main thing that changes them or changes the way I take photos from traveling that much is the kind of knowledge about people. And there's a really easy way to be in fashion and block out telling stories for the sake of kind of pretty things and putting just pretty people in front of prettier places. It's kind of like when you when you do like fashion stories in different countries and you like send a white girl to get like photographed in front of a Japanese temple and you're like Vogue went to Japan, look how cool. And then like not spend like any time or research on like a place and its people. And I don't and I think that like people might want to say like, oh fashion, you don't have to like like it's it's fine, it kinda like doesn't have to operate in that way. But I don't think it has to. Because there's some magazines that do a really good job of it. So I think that that's other than just visual inspiration because these places are so beautiful. Um I think that that, like, kind of the caring about actually knowing other people's stories is really important to me, mm -hmm. like, going forward. And that's why anytime I shoot anybody, I think it's, like, I think it's fun to talk to them first. I don't know, just getting sent a model is, like, a lot of, you know, um, it's just, yeah, it's a little bit different. And London was really good for me just because the European time schedule of life creatively is I think a lot better than here mm -hmm. yeah and so I think that it slowed me down a little bit so that I could kind of stop worrying that I didn't have enough work experience or not know the right people it kind of right. was like no you like take the time to be in London to kind of like figure out what you want right work there and that was like Manic. I mean, my internship there was crazy because it was at a magazine and whatever. But um, but even then, you could kind of tell that like people were kind of taking their time, thinking things through a little bit more. Right. Versus here, sometimes I feel like we're we're just like going all the time, mm -hmm. and it kind of compromises some stuff that like I would have like that. I think creatively, we need to take like. So you mostly grew up in New York City, mm -hmm. and how did that skew your view on the world, and also how did that change now that you live as a college student in the city, well, you live in Brooklyn now, but <laughs> also in the city, Yeah. Um, as well as work in the city? Um, so I was kind of saying it before, I mean, I feel like anyone who grew up in New York, and you can say this, is like, <clears throat> you know, we complain that it makes us neurotic, and like, exhausted and tired but like would we have really wanted to grow up anywhere else no um, um so I just can't believe my parents pulled it off you know because there's so many exterior things going on like there's there's so much you know you know it's an aggressive place so you know I know we lived in a kind of pocket of it and a really privileged pocket of it but um yeah I still think it's really admirable um, and in terms of how it affected me, I think, I think it, I think it just, my friends always say that I don't, they need an adjustment period every time they come back to the city. Right. Like they need like a week to like remember how crowded the trains are and remember that like no one cares and they're going to keep moving the way that they do. Like it's, it's, you know, that it's kind of an unforgiving place. And they always say, I don't need the adjustment time. Like, I just come back and I'm kind of in this world and I don't, and I don't, like, I'm not thrown off by things really easily. And, like, the, and so I think that, yeah, I think it builds up, like, a pretty good, um, I don't know, what's the word? Like, resolve against, like, I, I don't know. It, get, it, like, builds up a shell in you. And it also affects the way that you time your life because you are used to how fast this goes that it's really hard to adjust actually to be slower because mm -hmm. when things aren't open till midnight and you can't understand why anywhere else they wouldn't have like 24-hour delis and so like in London or when I, especially when I was in Paris I just like their way of life I was just like oh my god I couldn't believe how like fast I wanted everything to go 
And there was one day where, like, I, me and Ben, my best friend, he and I got croissants, like, at a persistory. And I, we, like, got two croissants, and then we were walking, and I was like, oh, pass me my croissant. And he goes, no, Nicole, like, let's go sit somewhere. Like, let's go to the river and sit and eat our croissants. And I was like, no, why wouldn't I eat it walking? And he was like, don't eat it walking. Like, we're in Paris. Like, we have the time to go sit somewhere and eat. We might as well do that. And I was like, that didn't even, I didn't even think of that. Like, I was just like, no, I'm hungry. Let's, (laughs) I want to eat it while I walk. Um, Or like sit and eat my lunch at a desk, like in front of like my computer or something. And like little things like that. Um, I just, yeah, the speed of the city can get to you. Um, And I think it, the only thing that it probably works really, really well for is work ethic. Right. Our work ethic is crazy. Um, and I think that I can attribute to growing up here. And my parents. Mm-hmm. A lot of my parents, yeah. Speaking of your friends, <laughs> um, you've made a ton of college friends since you've gone to NYU. Um, and... I wrote in here that you guys are kind of like a breakfast club gang. <laughs> you guys are all very unique. You live very separate lives. But then you guys all come together at like Friendsgiving or at someone's yeah. birthday and you all like, <clears throat> convene or like do crosswords together. Um, <laughs> how have the friends you've made in college influenced your work and inspired you? And also have these friendships taught you new things about New York City because so many of them are not from the States? Yeah, that's true. Because I got to NYU and all of a sudden like most of my friends or like... A good 70% of them were international kids. Um, So, like, that being, like, people from London, but even my friends from London are from, like, Italy and and, um, Spain. Um, My best, like, my other best friend is from New Zealand. Um, I have a friend from Singapore, from mainland China, like, a whole crew of kids that are from L.A. and Chicago. So I think it's interesting now, because I'm a senior, that's another thing about being a New Yorker is that you think that this is this is like your place for life and you might grow tired of it and leave for a little bit but like I generally think like you want to live here you know when you're old and I want to live here when I'm old but I forget that like for a lot of people I'm going to school with this is like a transient place and they're here for four years to have fun and study and maybe work a year but like most of my friends from Europe want to go home to Europe yeah and only a handful of them like really want to stay here, like in this city in particular. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because it, it kind of makes everyone approach to the city a little bit different. And so, uh, but, but there, I remember being in freshman year and even though like not all the people I met in freshman year are people I'm friends with now, I couldn't like believe the kind of like like one weekend I was having the kind of conversations that I wanted to always have with people that I felt like I didn't have at Nightingale. And that's not to say that there weren't incredible people at Nightingale. I still have like really good friends with them. Yeah. But it was just different. Like people were kind of thinking like I was. Um, and what's cool is that my friends are actually, most of them aren't fashion students. Like all of them are, um, Ben studies film, Allegra studies art. Um, and acting, like Greg studies history, and Kristen is like cons- like fashion but conservation, like environmental studies, and so like we're kind of all over the place, and it and it means that our conversations don't stick around one thing, which I think is really good, because. I don't want to talk about fashion all the time, like, <laughs> and most of the time if you're talking to fashion students, it's, it can be a frustrating and not that um, informative, you know, it's, it's just bouncing back between the same topics. So it's nice because they kind of inform you about other things, and that way you can kind of build off of, like, I think I've taught a lot to my friends and they've taught a lot to me, and their kind of skill set, you know, we just have, we all have skills in really different things. Um, Recently, uh, I mean, I always knew that you were had an interest in photography, but I feel like now this has really become like a part of you. Yeah. That you are a photographer, um, and film photography especially. And you've now worked on many projects for school, and you've collaborated with certain brands, haven't you? Um, just like a couple of student ones, like like little like people reaching out to me to shoot and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And how do you think that like just being the photographer on the set has influenced 
how you see styling and how you see clothes. Yeah, um, so I kept fluctuating between, and I'm still fluctuating because I started off, my first job was like as a photo assistant. And so um, I like started, I started on the photo side and and I got dis- not discouraged by it because it was like the first time I ever was working was for a photographer Maytel, who um, is a night was a nightingale mom who gave this like presentation when I was like four- fourteen or fifteen about her career. She like just went up there and was like I'm like and no one had ever been like I don't know I didn't I just didn't I like always admired like all these photographs from afar and didn't realize I don't know why but like I didn't realize people were working in it like I didn't realize how it like came together or how it was or who was like how does like one find themselves doing these things and so then she talked through all that in this presentation and then I worked up the nerve to like email her and see if I could work for her and I was 15 and that summer was like one of the best summers ever because I was just on set with her watching her direct I guess like direct and organize and you know um yeah and she's like a force to be reckoned with she's incredible um and so I guess from there I worked for photographers I worked for a creative director I've worked for and then all of a sudden I kind of fell into styling assisting because someone needed somebody on a set and I was on a Vogue Italia set with like a really huge stylist um and realized I was a good assistant and and sometimes I was afraid that if I committed to photography I would lose kind of all the fashion element that I loved like knowing all these things about the clothes like I had I would have to give that up or something like that which I don't think is true I think it's a bit dramatic to say that because I think that good photographers know a lot about the clothes like good fashion photographers know a lot about the clothes because your your photos have to interact with the clothing you can't just ignore it and not taken into account um so I think that I still pay equal attention to the shows I still like know I try and like know everything there is to know about that stuff but I do think that my position in front of like on a set being behind the camera makes me the happiest so I think the strongest like photos are always like teams of photographers and stylists. Like when stylists always work with the same photographers because sure. they can kind of know this person's style and know the way that this person is going to photograph or see something. Um, and so I think that that's like the two need each other. You can't like separate them. And sometimes if you go and sometimes I've been in situations where a photographer will go in cold and not like know the stylist or not like the style like the kind of style then they it won't work well Mm. um or the images won't be satisfying to like one person or the other you know right um so i think that like though yeah those two really have to be for good fashion photography they kind of have to be on the same page you know um and yeah and i think that knowing a lot about clothing has helped me a lot right is there any part of, like, the political climate that we're in that influences your photos at all? Mm. Or the way that you see clothes or styling? Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually, I mean, there's so much that I take issue with. Um, but there was a I, have a, I have an issue with a lot of fashion publications using social justice issues to kind of market themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that in an in Instagram that happens a lot and it's a lot of kind of weird one posting or one you know okay like Vogue gender fluidity do you know that one mm-hmm. where like Vogue decided to put Zayn and Gigi a heterosexual couple on the cover and be like this is our gender fluidity issue and the entire interview was just like Gigi Hadid and Zayn talking about how they share each other's clothes. Right. And yeah. everyone's just like, that's not what gender that. fluidity is. Yeah, like that is that not was, yeah. that's not like the very difficult discourse that people go through with this. That is not the re- like right. it's not the reflection of what that is. And Vogue chose two celebrities that were really, really big, but also incredibly straight. And like and and you know, they're 
and and that kind of thing in the fashion industry really bothers me because it doesn't take a lot like if you look at style like you you know those videos no. so they're like these videos where they they not just fashion people but they do interview a lot of fashion people and it's just a very simple YouTube video and the person comes in dressed the way they want and as they interview them about their life and their bodies and their relationship to their body they start to take parts of their clothes off and like at the end they kind of like oh I know exactly you've seen that one right is. yeah is this with um no there's like Jemima Kirk yeah there's one with Jemima right. Kirk okay, there's yes, one with like Adua totally yes, yes, like, yes 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 so like Oh, those are and I those like are those. yeah, they're incredible and they're like simple and they're so I don't think that like it's you know it's not hard to achieve that yeah um, totally um, but lately I guess for me I so I think that like there was a line in the in Patty Smith's book where she was like I was just looking for honesty mm-hmm. from people and I think that that's that's like something I'd like to keep thinking about mm-hmm. because there's a lot like you know. And every time I take portraits of someone, and I and because that's what I think I'm strongest at is probably portraiture. That's kind of what I'm looking for. And and I know that you can't always be like incredibly thorough, and you can't know everything about everyone that you're shooting. But um, yeah, kind of like uncovering stories, and also I like to give back the photos of, that I take of people especially to people that don't usually like getting their photo taken. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, it always makes me really happy whenever like someone like my friend Joyce um, who, mm-hmm. or Katarina who had like really not gotten their photo taken that much, like now they have this kind of like huge trove of photos of them that they actually really love. Um, and then they didn't think that they could be in a photos that they really loved. Um, uh, yeah, so I guess that that's it. Um, I mean, we can go into, like, all the different topics that I find really fascinating about women in fashion imagery, but mm-hmm. it might take too long. <laughs> okay. Um, this is actually a good segue, Katarina and Joyce, because recently you went back to Nightingale and you shot a project that was kind of deconstructing our uniforms and you photographed all Asian women in those clothes to kind of represent parts of you mm-hmm. as you were in high school. Yeah. Um, do you often think about the influence that your Korean and Chinese heritage has on your work, and do you think that choosing the subjects, choosing subjects that reflect who you are in that way, yeah, is important to your work? Um, I think for that project, I wasn't so conscious of the kind of Chinese and Korean heritage, just because I just really wanted a shadow of myself there. Okay, and so. Actually, a lot when I was editing through the images, even though I have a lot of really nice ones of like Katarina and Talia, like really close up, I think the strongest images were when they were kind of hidden, so they they kind of looked like me, or they could have mm-hmm. been me, or like ones where their face is hidden or they're turned. Sure. Um, so I wouldn't say that like ethnicity and background really like played a role in choosing like in terms of like that connection. It was mostly just kind of that. They kind of look like me, and I kind of wanted to see myself in those photos when I was, like, recreating the memories there. Um, But actually, one series of photographs that I really want to do is... um, I wanted to do, and I think I'm going to do it next... Actually, my last semester, like, next semester, I'm doing an independent study. Um, Yeah. Kind of like Limbo, but probably won't publish it or anything, but it's just, like, I'm making four collections of images for myself, and one of them is interviews with... Um, people of like Asian heritage and kind of like talking about and I've conducted two interviews and talking about kind of emotional and sexual intimacy and how that how their backgrounds kind of played out in the way that they interact with people um, in relationships and friendships and things like that Um, and also how they kind of perform femininity because I feel like sometimes being an Asian woman can feel a bit restricting in terms of just like where you think your role in it is or how you think you're being perceived. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, just kind of like working through those issues, which I know are very personal and kind of specific to the people I'm talking to. Um, And then taking their portrait kind of based around who, like who they really think they are rather than how other people think they are. so yeah, that's like a that's like a whole topic of interest that I've probably in the last two years been thinking a lot about, and so I'm going to take photos around that with interviews. Yeah, great. 
Uh, I remember when you had just started your Instagram and people were very intrigued by it because it was arranged in a very artistic way because there was a lot of negative space and color. Um, actually, I think it was kind of one of the only, one of the first Instagrams that had, I mean, I hate saying that it had like an aesthetic to it, but it had like a very, it was, the layout of it was very artistic, I would say. Um, how do you think social media has played a part in getting the word out there to people about who you are yeah. as an artist? Um, it definitely, I mean, I only use it, I don't want to say professionally, but I only I only use it to, like, put photos yeah. of them, like, mm-hmm. of, like, photos I've taken, so I don't, like, a lot of... And it's, there's, it's not a fault in Instagram, but, like, you know, a lot of people use it to post pictures of themselves and stuff like that and, like, their lives, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Most of my friends do that. But I think I've always just, like... I First of all, I don't like being in photographs. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is a whole nother, like, discourse in itself. But it's, like, I don't really like being in photographs and I'm not too interested in showing people what, what my life is like, like, you know, personally. Sure. Other than, you know these kind of glimpses into like the work that I'm doing um but yeah I remember when I started Instagram it was like I had a very specific like a very like not formulaic but like I I always took various like you know similar pictures and I was kind of looking for like the same things like in buildings or in silhouettes and stuff like that um and I still really like a lot of those photos um but those are all on my phone I guess um and then recently just because I'm shooting so much all of it is um, yeah, all of it is like my work now, um, and it's cool because when you shoot film, like you get a whole rollback and you like find your favorite and you post that, and then and then like a couple months later you'll go through the fo- whole folder again. You'll find another thing that was really good. Um, so it's not just a one-off shot. Like you kind of get off, get like thirty-six images at once, and you can kind of pick and choose what's strong about them. Mm-hmm. Um, like those last two that I shot of Ben in in Europe, I kind of forgot about those, and I keep, went back to the files, and I was like, oh wait, these are really strong. Um, and so yeah, I think, but I think it's helped a lot. I mean, it's how people find you. It, it it kind of it's a way to like be in a creative setting and immediately show someone that you're talking to like what you're doing and like what you're about and um and like I like that like I can pull that up to someone and like use it as like a little resume or like a little like portfolio to Mm -hmm. show to someone else um but I think social media is just one of those things where first of all like it takes as much importance as you make as you make it out to be and also it's really clear when someone's not themselves on it. So, like, all my friends, I would say, are really themselves on it. Right. With the exception of a couple of, like, exaggerations. But you meet people that are just fully not what they are on Instagram. Um, and, and, and almost can't interact. Like, they can be, like, really, like, open and, like, public about all this stuff on Instagram. And you meet them and you're like, oh, my God, we have nothing to talk about. Right, right. Um, which happens a lot to me. Um... Or maybe I'm nitpicky and weird, but like that's, like, um, that's just a thing I've seen from a lot of people is that they kind of use it as an outlet for their person, like that for building a personality that they don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that it's I think that fundamentally it's a good thing right. if you're using it right. Yeah. Great. Um, I want to talk about Maytow a little bit more. Maytow. Um, she recently reached out to you and mentioned that your photos had come so far. She was so proud of you. Uh, and then she requested that you take photos of her and her daughter. Yeah. What did it feel like to have someone so well-respected in the industry and to you as well that you love and respect recognize you in that way? And also, what was it like taking pictures of Maytow? Um... She messaged me, like, at the beginning of the semester, and I had just gotten back to New York, so, um, and she messaged me telling me that, like, basically that she was, like, really proud, and that, like, like, every time I posted a photo, she was, like, incredibly impressed and all that stuff, um, which, like, shook me, because even though I'm really close to May, she is, you know, she's she's an intimidating force and like I always like I always knew that she at the end of my internship that she really liked me and respected me but 
you know, to prove it's one thing to be a good worker to someone and be like a good, a good like you know to like connect with them and stuff. It's another thing for someone else, for someone who is your mentor to turn to your work and be like, this is good work. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And so she, you know, her reaching out to me to tell me that was really, really incredible. And then even though it was more terrifying, she was like, yeah, let's meet up and you can take pictures of me and Dashiell. Um, Dashiell's her daughter, who I used to babysit and now was like 15 and like so tall and beautiful and incredible. And, but still the same kid, like she's still the same kid, like, which is really, really cool. Um, and so we met up in Chinatown, um, kind of in this intersection where I used to walk Dashiell Hall a lot. Mm-hmm. It was this like little park off of East East Broadway. And yeah, we just talked for a while, and um, I took their portraits, and and it was really all very casual. We weren't, you know, and it wasn't. Um, and I was really happy with them, and she she was really happy with them, which made like made my day but um it was cool because a lot of the time that we were there we were talking kind of about creative process and and how she said that blinders like having blinders is like the buildup of creativity like not looking around to see how you compare to other people is one of the best ways to just keep going and doing your thing Hmm. and I think that London provided me that for the first time I wasn't here thinking about what everyone else was doing. I was just by myself, like, thinking about what I wanted to do. And so, yeah, we just talked through a lot of that stuff. And I don't think I had the nerve to ask her about that stuff when I was working for her. I was, like, 15, and I just, like, was watching. I didn't know what I wanted from it yet. I just wanted to observe. Um, And so I was really happy to, like, see her again and talk to her. And now I can kind of text her and, and... and yeah, she'll always she'll always like be the person that got me into any of this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's really cool. It's a, another cool thing was that when I worked for her, there were a couple photo assistants. Um, some of them don't work for her anymore, but one of the guys, Nick Stever, and I think of him so fondly because he taught you know like all these like kind of mechanical things that you have to know, like how to use a C stand or like set up um a seamless or like things like that like I just I remember he would like be really like he wasn't one of those people that was like oh this kid doesn't know anything I'm just gonna do it like he actually like taught me how to do these things and I have like really funny memories of like kind of fumbling and learning how to do that stuff um and he messaged me a couple months ago and was like your photos are electric like I've like yeah on Instagram he was just like I just remember you being that kid on set with me like that summer um, and he was like, I really, really love your photos. And so then, you know, like little, like, that was also weird. He was just like another figure from that summer that like I really looked up to and thought was like a really, really great guy um, and helped me a lot and kind of like, because like, you know, when you're a photographer and you have, you know, you need your assistance to kind of take care of things. So you really like, when I was interning, it was really important that I kind of got along with the, with the group of guys that she worked with or else like, because she can't hold my hand while we're doing it. She's like... She's a photographer. Doing She's it, like, yeah. you know, talking to the clients and um, shooting. So yeah, that was like a really cool thing. But I owe a lot to Maytel. In 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 terms of just like the out, like the way that my like school and career worked out, and then also just as a a friend and a mentor and all that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm gonna go a little bit more into your style and fashion. Your style changes from day to day, but I mean, I would say that most people would say that you're probably one of the best dressed people that they know. That is certainly how I feel. (laughs) How would you describe your style, and is there one piece in your closet that you would never let go of? Yeah. Um, I have a lot of pieces like that. Uh, My style is pretty... I would say it's it's not simple, but it's like if I'm un- if I'm the slightest bit uncomfortable in it. I'm not talking about like physically uncomfortable. Just like if there's something about it that doesn't feel right, I just won't wear it. And mm-hmm. and um, I uh, I don't know. I guess it's pretty like. God, this is a really hard one for me. I've never like had to talk about it. 
because I'll have days where I really want to push what I'm wearing, and other days where I'll be like this, and I'll and I'll still feel really good because I'm in my jeans and like a button-down shirt. Um, but I guess what I love to do, my favorite thing to do about my closet, is to collect things from the places I go to. So I like to be able to like be in a whole outfit and tell you that it's from four different countries. Um, and so I like I'll I used to do, I was doing that like right now. Well, this one's not as interesting, but like my jeans and my coat are both vintage finds, and my scarf was a gift from that brand that I just shot for, and this shirt I Allegra gave to me, and and this is from Hawaii, and like I kind of like when my when my closet reflects like the bunch of places that I've been to, because mm-hmm. um, I think it's more fun to collect pieces like that, because even if you don't end up wearing them, they're kind of memories. Um, you can kind of picture the store you bought it at or the vintage shop that you found it in. Um, and so pieces that I won't let go of, I feel like my closet's made up of like stuff that I wear now, stuff that I want to wear one day, because I do that a lot, like I buy things or like I own things that like I think I'll grow into. Um, and I'm one of the few people my age, because like Kristen always tells me I'm so weird for this, that does not, I'm very conscious about not dressing young. I always feel like when I shop, I shop for someone who's older than me because I feel like I'll just age into that, like I'll just age into it and I'd rather buy things that I'll age into than things that like I'm only wearing because I'm young. Yeah. Um, Which might not be the best way to go about it, Um, but, and then, and then my closet is made up of stuff that like I can't let go of or I want to shoot on someone else, so even if I don't wear it, I like, I'm like, oh, this would look great on someone else in a photo. So if it's like a really cheap vintage find, but I think is really interesting, but I'll never wear it, I'll just like buy it so that I can have it in some sort of like collection of things to have. Hmm. Um, but like, yeah, little, like little things, like I have, I think if you know me now, you don't really see me wearing a Chanel bag, Yeah. but totally. my godmother, or like my mom's best friend, gave me a Chanel bag when I graduated from Nightingale. And it's beautiful. Like it's it, if there was ever a Chanel bag that I would wear, it's this one. Like it's not shiny. There's not a huge logo on it. But there's something about the bag yet that I don't feel like I deserve to wear it. So it kind of sits in my closet, and I'm just waiting for the day when I wake up and I'm like, okay, how can I? I think I'll just have to like. I want to like wear it with like overalls or something, you know? Right. Like so it's not. So it doesn't read a certain way, and um, I feel comfortable in it. Um, mm. Other things that I won't let go of in my closet. Hmm. I'm trying to think of things. Yeah, I guess small things. T-shirts, like band T-shirts, or like I don't wear. I'm not a T-shirt heavy person, but like my Arctic Monkeys T-shirt and um, like dresses. There's some stuff that it, like I can't fit into it anymore, but I won't give it away. Right. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Great. Um, you worked for another magazine mm-hmm. this summer. What was that experience like? What did you learn? Um, I learned a lot. The first being that I make. You know when you like do something and you you realize it's like not exactly what you'd want to do, but you know you're good at it. Yeah. I'm a good assistant. Like, I just like you. My whole job there was was when you're a stylist assistant for a magazine like that, which you couldn't hope to be an assistant at any other magazine because it's it's you know the creative freedom that a place like Dazed and another has is not the type of thing you're gonna get working at a fashion closet in Vogue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though it's horribly time consuming and manic and like. You know, the, the the movies about the fashion industry aren't that far off from what it's actually like. Yeah. You know, like, you're under a lot of pressure, and you're not being paid. And, um, you know, people are going to get mad over the smallest things, and everything's going to be treated like it's the end of the world. Um, and you're, and my whole job was basically handling, like, 400, like, like, 300 pieces of clothing for a shoot, and knowing where all of it comes from, and where all of it has to go back to, and, like, running around the city to, like deal with all of that so it goes back on time mm-hmm. um, and basically helping the editor that I worked for the two editors that I worked for like just make their lives easier because mm-hmm. it's so much stuff um, 
But what I loved about it was first of all that you get to be on really incredible shoots. Like shoots that are like, that are way more like creating art than anything else. So I worked with um, Agatha Belkin and Chloe Grace Press were the two people that I met at another. And then we were shooting with Johnny DeFort, who is a British photographer that just like shot Balenciaga campaigns and stuff like that. And he's a kooky photographer, so it was a really wild day. Like we were doing really, really weird stuff. And that was pretty incredible to watch. And sitting in fittings, especially with her, and watching how she had a philosophy major. She went to Oxford for philosophy, like the woman I was working for. And then just like fell into fashion and and you can see that like her process is like really well informed by something else that's not just I love these clothes. Like we need to get it on pretty people. Um and so yeah, I I think it was really, really good. And I just wanted to know if a magazine was where I wanted to be. Um and yeah, I, I mean, magazines are how I got here, so yeah, it was great. And London, London's incredible. Like, Do you think that you'll move to London? Yeah. Wow. The coolest thing about working at another that showed me was that it showed me, first of all, I was like, I've been to every little corner of London because of that job. Mm-hmm. Because all these like studios and vintage showrooms are like in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of like East London. And, and London's not like New York where things are close, like where I could get from here to like Manhattan in 20 minutes and it like, and run an errand and come back. Like London's really, fa- things are far from each other. So, um, but I feel like unlike New York, London has like a really, really rich kind of sense of new and old being really far on the spectrum but being treated the same way mm-hmm. and so like I was going to like huge men's vintage showrooms like where they have like huge warehouses full of like old uniforms and t-shirts and like suits and stuff and I would have to go and pull things and then but then on the opposite end we had like a whole showroom that was only dedicated to Central St. Martin's people that had just graduated and there was like a PR company that puts out their stuff so that magazines like Dazed could use it like almost right away after they like did the runway show at school and so like there was like there was a real like treatment of those two things like the old and the new that I feel like New York not that there isn't vintage here but like New York doesn't have that like you know, we just want new, mm-hmm. like whatever's new, and um, and even the new stuff here isn't is pretty can be kind of look like all the other new stuff. Right. I don't know. Um, yeah, there's a kind of appreciation for the kooky there that I feel like I really like. Yeah. You're graduating in May. Oh, well, Jesus. Yeah, May. <laughs> yeah, May. Oh. This is a very loaded question, but uh, I have to ask: um, What is next? What? Do, where do you see yourself after school? Uh, um, like, what's an ideal job? Do you see yourself in styling, photography, art direction? Like, yeah. Uh, fuck. Okay. Um, yeah. Sometimes I don't let myself think about this stuff. I like, get go insane. Um, well, I think that it really changed when I applied to school my whole mentality was like I'm going to NYU to get a job Mm -hmm. and like when I graduate I'm gonna have a full-time job I don't know like I don't know what I was thinking but like I was just like I'm gonna be have a job and it's gonna be done and I'm that's why I'm staying in New York and not to sound cliched but after the last couple like like the last couple semesters I I th- and, and also learning so much about the industry in the last couple of years. I won't just take any job because I think there's a lot about the fashion industry that I would not be comfortable working in. And, and I used to think like, I think it's because I was instilled with the idea that like it would be really hard to get a job. And I do, I mean, it's still hard to get a job, but there's a, fa- there's a job in the fashion industry somewhere, you know? Like, I could work in PR or marketing or something or, or a, a segment of the world that I actually don't care that much about but still get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess an ideal situation after graduation is to spend the next school semester, my last school semester, kind of building up a portfolio of creative work, whether that's, like, styling or, photo, for like, photography. 
and get freelance jobs and then maybe do like like have <clears throat> have a part-time job that's kind of regular but then leave enough time to like do these passion projects and and figure that out and i and i think that i got so stuck in this idea that i needed to have something right away that i forgot like my mom sat me down and was like Nicole, you know I didn't have like a real full-time job until I was 26. She was like, I have. I was so confused when I left college that I just like went to Korea, taught English, met really good friends, and then was like, screw it, maybe I'll move to New York. Moved to New York. It took me six months to get a job, and I was so happy. And I just like did that. And when I did like and taking all those chances and like not knowing what I wanted yet and waiting to figure out what I wanted. Mm-hmm was really good and and she was like so it's okay if you don't know yet like if you need like a little bit more time and I'm and I'm lucky that my interests haven't like I didn't go into college and was like with one thing and then decide to switch to something else completely like I'm still within the realm of what I loved before but I think that I need to spend more time figuring out exactly where I want to fit into the industry because there's a lot of things that I don't want to compromise on um, and a lot of time that I want to kind of while I'm young and have the kind of security that my parents are so like generous to offer me I want to be able to like take advantage of that and just make really good work mm-hmm. um, and so yeah I don't know but there's a lot of different places that I would love to I would love to go work for a photographer I really cared about or work for a stylist I really care about, or creative director, or something like that. Um, and so maybe, yeah, maybe like an assisting job would be really good because if, you know, being assistant to someone really, really big and influential to you is a pretty great job to have. Um, but yeah, I don't know yet. But I'm starting to be more comfortable with not knowing. Yeah. I used to not be, so yeah, still have. Like next next semester, I'm really excited to do this independent study and then just like work on the side. Yeah. Uh, yay. Um, okay, this is like my last like full blown question. I ask it to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um. Can you describe what it was like? What it's like to be in love? What is it like to be in love? What is it like to be in love? Huh. Um, I guess, do I go into the specifics of my relationship, my, like, last relationship, or, I don't know. Only if you want to. Well, no, 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 I just, I think my first relationship lasted two and a half years, so it's a pretty fully blown out, like, thing, you know, it's a pretty significant, you know, part of me, um, in college. But I guess when we use the word love, which is always like a weird word and means things, very different things to people, he told me he loved me first. And when he told me, I didn't love him back. Like, I didn't know what to say because I didn't love him back. Mm -hmm. And when I actually felt like saying it was when I felt safe. And I realized that, to me, that's kind of what love is, was like feeling like I was understood. And I and at the beginning of a relationship, you know, when you start dating someone, how can I don't think that two people can fully ever know each other, and I still fully believe that, like you're your own person, you or as Ben says, you know, you live on a rock and you're alone, and I think that that you you hear that sentence and you think oh it's a negative thing like you're alone you, you live on a rock and you're alone like that's so sad, but I think it actually is a good way to approach being with other people because if you can be alone then that person is just a bonus like meeting someone like that or meeting or meeting someone who sees you really clearly but can't know you completely but wants to know you like every time they're with you wants to know just a little bit more of you like that's a bonus to your life but ultimately you have to be like good with who you are and so I think that falling in love with for the first time was fe- that feeling that someone else wanted to know me and wanted to take the time to figure out who I was rather than just 
how I always felt, which was that, like, okay, you know, it's one thing for someone to check you out or, you know, in a world where, like, hooking up is, like, all anyone ever seems to do. Um, so I think that's what love felt like to me, was feeling, like, safe and reassured that someone else wasn't, was, was looking to figure out who I was as much as I was trying to figure out who they were. Um, and then otherwise, I don't think I can explain it. Because, like, trying to put words to feeling like that is really hard. <laughs> yeah, it's a good answer. Yeah. Um, okay, now it's time for my fun question. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, okay. If one designer asked you to be the CEO of their brand, or if one magazine asked you to be the artistic director, uh, who would you want it to be? What would you want it to be? Brand? Dries Van Noten. Like, ever, if you've ever heard him in an interview, or just, like, talk about himself, like, even if I wouldn't wear everything that he makes, like, he is so, like, the integrity of his work is so good. And, you know, like... So many brands are swayed by so many different things now, like, um, you know, like Jeff Koons for Louis Vuitton, and like, we are the feminist t-shirts, like, from, from Dior, and there's all these things that, like, just cone, like, that just, like, fight each other when it comes to these brands. Mm-hmm. Drew's Van Noten has always been, like, he puts out his collection, there's no bullshit, it's just the clothes, and what he thinks that a woman, what a strong woman looks like. And so, yeah, if he asked me to do anything for him, I would be like, yes, please. I'll, like, move to Belgium and, like, be, be, work for him. Um, and then in terms of magazines, um, Gentlewoman is incredible. Um, Gentlewoman, the one I worked for. Um, right now, uh, Luncheon is incredible. Um, but, yeah, any magazine that's really taking the time to really put a lot of effort into the photos and the people that they're featuring. Um, or honestly, Teen Vogue right now. Teen Vogue is on a, on a roll. Um, which is not a sentence I thought anyone would say. Yeah, wow, that's um, big. But Teen Vogue, no, Teen Vogue is teaching Vogue how it should be done. Like, they got a new editor who like is young and cares a lot, and she's featuring all these people that are like, and like, doing the gender fluidity thing, but doing it right, right you yeah. know? Like, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Um, so yeah, stuff. Yeah, just and I think more magazines like that will hopefully like pop up and maybe I'll like turn Limbo into like an actual thing. But that would be very cool. Yeah. Um, if one children's book describes you, what is it? It's so hard. The one I can think of though, for some reason, it keeps popping up in my head. Is you know Madeline? Yeah. Not like the little girl school, but she yeah. always like she was like does something or like one. was a different one yeah. or like had to get her appendix taken out. I don't know. That one keeps like <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like yeah, it'd be like in the lines, and then like Madeline would see something, and then she'd like roam off and do something else. Um, so yeah, I guess Madeline. I keep thinking about her because she's like I remember those books, thinking that it reminded me of school. That's great. Yeah. What's the first thing you do when you wake up, and the last thing you do before you go to sleep? Is it boring if I just say check my phone? It is, kind of. I mean, not really. It's I mean, boring, okay. day and age. But um, is there one, is like, or maybe what do you think about the first thing that you wake up in the morning and the last thing you think about when you fall asleep? That's the last thing, constant. I think, I think that the last thing, I always, I don't know how to meditate. I don't have the mind for it, or I don't have the patience for it, but I do when I fall asleep because I have I tend to, I tend to, a tendency to not be able to fall asleep very quickly because I tend to overthink a lot of stuff, um, is that there's, um, you know how in Harry Potter 5, this is such a geek reference, but in Harry Potter 5, um, Snape has to teach Harry to clear his mind. Yes. Because he doesn't want to let other things come into it while he's sleeping. Mm-hmm. So, which is basically meditation. Yeah. But um, in my head, I'm like, oh, occlumency from Harry Potter 5. Like, when I go to bed sometimes, I, like, actively have to be like, you need to not think about anything. And then slowly I'll start to fall asleep. Or the opposite of that is that I'll make up stories in my head. Mm. Like, like, 
little like weird situations of how things would like play out. And when I was in like a middle school, that would be like how I would meet like some boy that I really liked and yeah. like you know like those like little things that, that like, I do that too yeah exactly and then eventually your mind kind of like drifts off and you fall asleep and when I wake up I actually I when I wake up I actually I don't know I just get going I'm not someone who needs to like who A needs a lot of sleep I don't and then B I just think the longer I stay in bed the longer I'll like want to stay there so I just like kind of jump out of bed gotcha um which one of your friends could you see yourself collaborating with in the future if you decided to create something with them? Uh, so many of them. I mean, like, Ben, who works in film, or um, he does a lot of music videos, and it'd be so cool to, like, collaborate on something that we both really like. Um, and he has an incredible eye, and, like, is an incredible writer. Um, but Kristen, she's not always, but she's always designing things, and I don't know where her career is going to lead her, but she's so incredibly creative and has such a strong sense of self and style, so I think it'd be really cool to work with her. And then Allegra wants to go into art curating, and she always does, like, collaborative projects with people as well, and she kind of fosters, like, her mom especially as well, like, fosters artists and stuff like that. I don't know, I, I, I like, think about my friend group, and I'm so excited to like see where everyone ends up um but yeah and you know all my friends are my subjects in a lot of my photos so yeah yeah uh what would you name your children if you had them right now right now right now. i don't know about a boy but my girl's name is ruby ruby yeah after the rolling stone song nice because i like not so much like i'm not i won't vouch for being like a crazy rolling stones fan it's mostly because in the song he goes um, goodbye Ruby Tuesday who could uh, who could put a name on you and I like to think that that means that she won't get married like she doesn't get married and take someone else's name she just like is herself and does that so I would name my daughter Ruby plus it's cute yeah it is a cute name yeah but yeah anything else to say thank you oh my gosh thank you this was very fabulous <laughs> All right, signing off. Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>